a promise of justice, through a resetting of life. The world waits, but love is coming. The third of our candles lit today, the third week of Advent on the way. Stories of old once more are retold. Zephaniah has spoken, good news has broken. God is with us and never too late. Though John warns us, judgment awaits. Hi, welcome to St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. I'm Stuart and I get to be the minister here. This time of worship is available as a video and a podcast on our website. Just visit saint-ninians-stonehouse.org.uk and you can catch up with all our previous services there and you'll be able to see a pre-recorded version of our Light in the Darkness service from 3pm on Sunday the 12th of December. Details of other services and events are also available on the website and on our Facebook page. Just search for St Ninian's Church Stonehouse. As the Covid situation changes again, we'll try to keep you up to date with any changes. Santa's been in touch to say that our bedtime story sadly won't be able to happen in person on the 23rd of December. We'll be reviewing other things and we'll try to keep everyone informed of any changes. We've already planned to make as much as we can available online, so you hopefully won't miss out even if things can't go ahead in person. We realise that this is the last thing that anyone wanted in the lead up to Christmas, but hope you realise that our first priority is your safety. Today, I'm joined in leading our worship by Alan Stewart. First reading today comes from the book of Zephaniah, chapter 3, verses 14 to 20. A song of joy. Sing and shout for joy, people of Israel. Rejoice with all your heart, Jerusalem. The Lord has ended your punishment. He has removed all your enemies. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. There is no reason now to be afraid. The time is coming when they will say to Jerusalem, Do not be afraid, city of Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord, your God, is with you. His power gives you victory. The Lord will take delight in you, and in his love he will give you new life. He will sing and be joyful over you, as joyful as people at a festival. The Lord says, I have ended the threat of doom and taken away your disgrace. The time is coming. I will punish your oppressors. I will rescue all the lame and bring the exiles home. I will turn their shame to honour and all the world will praise them. The time is coming. I will bring your scattered people home. I will make you famous throughout the world and make you prosperous once again. The Lord has spoken. Our second reading today is from the book of Luke, chapter 3, verses 7 to 18. The preaching of John the Baptist. Crowds of people came out to John to be baptised by him. You snakes, he said to them. Who told you that you could escape from the punishment God is about to send? Do these things that will show that you have turned from your sins and don't start saying among yourselves that Abraham is your ancestor. I tell you that God can take these stones and make descendants for Abraham. The axe is ready to cut down the trees at the roots. Every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown in the fire. The people asked him, What are we to do then? He answered, Whoever has two shirts must give one to the man who has none, and whoever has food must share it. 
Some tax collectors came to be baptised, and they asked him, Teacher, what are we to do? Don't collect more than is legal, he told them. Some soldiers also asked him, What about us? What are we to do? He said to them, Don't take money from anyone by force or accuse anyone falsely. Be content with your pay. People's hopes began to rise, and they began to wonder whether John might perhaps be the Messiah. So John said to all of them, I baptise you with this water, but someone is coming who is much greater than I am. I am not good enough even to untie his sandals. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He has his winnowing shovel with him to thresh out all the grain and gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn the chaff in a fire that never goes out. In many different ways, John preached the good news to the people and urged them to change their ways. But John reprimanded Herod, the governor, because he had married Herodias, his brother's wife, and had done many other evil things. Then Herod did an even worse thing by putting John in prison. You'll go to the bad fire if you don't change your ways. I wonder how many of us were told that when we were growing up. I wonder how many of us have said that to unruly children, or even to each other as a warning against cruel remarks. Before we go much further, we should get this straight. Our comic book ideas of hell aren't what John is talking about. Remember last week, we heard Malachi telling us all about the refiner's fire and the fuller's soap. These are harsh treatments to get rid of the impurities so that all that remains is pure. That's what all the talk of chopping down trees and winnowing and threshing and burning are about. You chop down trees in an orchard that don't bear fruit. You thresh wheat to remove the bit you want, the grain from the rest. The chaff is useless, so it gets thrown into the fire with the trees that don't bear fruit. Luke tells us that this is an unquenchable fire. When did we ever get the idea that that meant people would be tortured in an eternity of pain? It's only the chaff that goes in the fire. It's only the trees that don't bear fruit that go into the fire. Why do we think those are individuals? That's completely against anything the prophets have told us. It's not what John is talking about. And as we might hear next week, that's hardly the actions of a God who loves us so much he sent his only son. It doesn't make any sense. So where does it come from? Well, to be fair, John doesn't help much at the start. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? You've got to love John the Baptist's style, all fire and brimstone, and yet people flock to see him. Maybe I should shout at you all more and call you names. Perhaps that could be our new mission strategy. John is the last of the Old Testament prophets. He's full of righteous anger and impending judgment. There hasn't been anyone like him for years and the people are intrigued. They're entertained. Perhaps it's one of the stranger traits of human nature, but we're drawn to strong characters like John even when they're blunt and critical of us. People know that things aren't right. The situation they find themselves in isn't the one they expected. They were the chosen people. They were the ancestors of Abraham. God had made them a promise. But things had changed. The Assyrians had come and then the Babylonians and now the Romans were here. Their own rulers and religious leaders weren't any better. The whole thing was rotten to the core. Leaders did what they liked. One rule for them and another for the people. But what could you do? There were strong incentives to stay in line. The locals were partial to a stoning. 
and the Romans had perfected the incentive to behave when they started nailing people to crosses by the roadside. So, a bona fide prophet out there in the wilderness preaching about a saviour who would make things right? Who wouldn't want to hear that? But there's a catch. It's not just everyone else who needs to change. It's you. It's easy to deflect. I'm not like them. I'm not part of the problem. And when the tax collectors and soldiers appear, that makes the task even easier for us. We're definitely not them. They lie and steal. It's almost in their job description. And that's the issue that's right at the heart of John's message. All of it has to change. The whole thing. Because we always just want to blame the system. We want to blame the higher-ups. We want to say that there's nothing we can do. How can we? You just have to pay your taxes, even if the tax collector's ripping you off. You have to do what the soldier tells you because, well, who's going to believe him over you? It's only in Luke's gospel that John is shouting at everyone. In Matthew's version, it's the religious leaders who get it in the neck. But that lets everyone else off the hook. It's them, not me. John's answer to the tax collector is obvious. Stop ripping people off. But that's not as easy as it sounds. If you start taking less than all the other tax collectors, then people will see that they're being ripped off. The other tax collectors aren't going to like that. Can you imagine the pressure they're going to put on the guy who decides to do the right thing? It's the same with the soldiers. Don't extort money. When that's just what happens, it becomes an accepted practice. People joining up know that they'll get more than their wage. The people who pay the wages are just downwards because they know that the soldiers will make money in other ways. But what happens when someone stops? It shows up the injustice of everyone else. It shines a light on the whole system that's built around a casual acceptance that this unfair practice is, well, just the way it is. How many times have you heard someone in a workplace say something like, oh, that's just the way it is. Yeah, it's rubbish, but we can't do anything about it. Don't say anything or you'll get us all in trouble. Everyone knows it's wrong. You know it, your colleagues know it, your boss knows it and their boss knows it too and yet nobody will do anything about it. These days we call people willing to speak out whistleblowers and have a look at what happens to them. We need legislation to protect them because calling out unfair practice is a dangerous thing. Standing up and standing out takes courage and that's absolutely some of the chopping down that needs to be done. But Luke is keen to make sure we realise that John's warning is for everyone. He's not just a wild prophet raging against the machine out in the wilderness. We need to do some personal clearing out too. One of the questions for any preacher is, where's the good news in this passage? Liz Crumlish writes, Good news doesn't always look or sound as we might imagine. Sometimes, good news is disguised as harsh words, delivered with love and integrity. Sometimes the winnowing fork of good news gouges our hearts, opens old wounds, ones we thought were healed. Sometimes good news is the unpalatable truth we need to hear. And how we respond is what gives it the potential to be good news Sometimes, our role is as the bearer of good news. 
Sometimes our role is as the hearer of good news. But always our role is to allow the good news to change our lives, our own lives and other lives, and to carefully handle with love and compassion the brokenness we encounter along the way. Zephaniah paints a picture of what a restored and renewed community will look like. And I will save the lame and gather the outcast and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time I will bring you home. At that time I will gather you for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortune before your eyes, says the Lord. John's call to repent, to think again, to see things from another point of view is a vital exercise for all of us. Getting rid of all the junk, all the chaff, is important work. And remember that unquenchable fire. That's so that we will always have a place to put all the stuff we need to get rid of. And when we do, it's gone, burned up, consumed. We don't have to worry about it anymore. We've talked before about how forgiving yourself can be the hardest thing of all. We struggle so much to leave it all behind. What better thing to do with all that hurt and regret than to throw it all on a fire? Or if that image doesn't work for you, how about something physical? John offers people a symbolic new start, a pretend drowning or a ritual cleansing. He calls it baptism. Often we see that kind of thing as an act of ending something. I'm leaving my old life behind and that's a good thing. But ritual washing isn't just about ending, it's often about preparation. When you wash your hands before dinner, it's not because you're ending the rest of your day, it's because you're getting ready to eat. Many religions include ceremonial washing before worship. It's an act of preparation to come before God, and it symbolises exactly what John is talking about. And John tells us that Jesus will come and offer us something even greater, baptism with the Holy Spirit and with fire. A complete renewal, washed clean in water, filled with God so there's no room for anything else. And all that needs to go is consumed by the fire. It's time to get ready. Time to prepare because God is coming. And we have work to do.
prayers for others and ourselves. Loving God, Creator, Redeemer and Sanctifier, we join together in prayer, searching for your help and your wisdom. As the world continues to struggle with war, poverty, disease and hate, we pray for all those who are fearful, all those who have no one to ask. For all those wondering what their future may hold, help them to have hope and grant us the strength to be constant companions to all those in need of your care. In this week, as people across the country prepare for the coming of Christmas, with all the stresses and expectations that it brings, for those with much and those with little, for those with big families and those with small, inspire us to be more patient and more caring in this season when you sent your love into the world. As our communities continue to recover from the pandemic, we pray that we, along with our leaders, will have the wisdom to pay particular attention to those who are already in most need. We pray for all those on the margins of society, those who are demonised for their economic wealth, skin colour, sexuality or ability. Grant us the boldness to ask for and offer help whenever it is needed. As we, your church, seek new ways to support and sustain the people all around us, to spread your mission and your message to all whom we meet, fill us with your life-giving spirit and grant us the boldness to step forward in faith into a world so in need of your love. As we each come before you with our own problems, our own fears, our own weaknesses, at different stages of faith in life, we pray for ourselves. We ask for your help individually and as a community. Be our guide and our source, this day and every day. For all these things and many more we ask, in the words you taught us, praying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Do you notice how something has happened to the light? It curves just slightly towards a rumour in the east. And the air? It flows southeast, like a whisper of angels gathering. And words, somehow filled with promise, rearranging themselves on the cusp of a new headline. Do you notice the music? Evoking dance steps for stars yet to be born. Can we imagine these are linked, sharing the anticipation of what the world has not yet heard? An advent affair, moving in the dark, beneath ancient layers of faith, rekindling, labouring, quickening, with a new heartbeat. God's greatest conspiracy. Birth. We go into Advent with God's blessing. Creator, Source and Spirit. Now and always.
The food bank continues to collect every Sunday from 1pm until 2.30pm at the front door of St Ninian's Church. Your donations are particularly welcome at this time of year. A Light in the Darkness service happens on Sunday the 12th of December at 3pm in St Ninian's. There will also be a version of this service available online. This is a service of remembering, recognising that Christmas can be difficult for many people. We'd be really pleased if you could join us for this. Our Advent Bible study continues on Mondays at 7.30pm on Zoom. Details of how to join are on the screen and on our website. We're sorry to say that due to the current COVID situation, Santa has been in touch and has decided that it's probably best if we cancel our Santa's bedtime story on the 23rd of December. We want everybody to stay safe and this seems like an event where uh, that wouldn't be possible uh, for us to guarantee. So Santa's bedtime story at the moment is cancelled on 23rd of December. We are talking to Santa and his elves about making that available online. So keep in touch for more information. On Christmas Eve, our family service takes place at 7.30pm. There will also be a version of this service online. We hope you can join us for a fun-packed Christmas Eve. And our watch night service is on Christmas Eve from 11.30pm. Again, there will be a version of this service online for those who would rather join us in that manner. You'll be very welcome as we watch and wait for the midnight hour to turn and for the Christ child to be born.